Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganesi, joined as always by Nima Tavali. On today's show, we will be reviewing Italy's Euro 2024 qualifier against North Macedonia from Saturday. A disastrous debut for Luciano Spalletti, a 1-1 draw, which puts Italy's Euro 2024 qualification hopes in in some jeopardy. Uh, we will analyse what went wrong. There's been a big debate on the on the state of of Italy's attack. Why can't Italy produce top attackers anymore? That was so apparent on Saturday. There's also been a debate on the the lack of Italians who are are playing in in Serie A and the, the lack of youngsters, uh, young Italians playing in Serie A. What changes should be made for the for the must-win game against Ukraine on Tuesday? Italy have no other alternative. They have to win. Is Gigi Donnarumma in decline after his big mistake against um, against Macedonia? And should he even be dropped? There's been a lot of calls for for Tottenham goalkeeper Vicario to be to to uh, to take his place. Uh, we're also away from the international scene and discuss a bombshell story this morning in Il Giornale, which reports that Juventus have been put up for sale. The Agnelli family ready to sell the club after a hundred years, and this has been denied by the Juventus's holding company Exor. But is there anything behind the story? We'll, we'll talk about that. And um, I would say to everyone, do stay till the end for one of the all-time great. Prem faces of the week. You will you will love the one we've got for you this week. Um, so for, for all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend's Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT. Uh, you can also sign up to be a paying, paid subscriber on Spotify now. and uh, We'll provide the link in the description. Same price, same terms. And for all of you that do listen on Spotify, Apple and iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like. Uh, we're on YouTube as well. And this all really helps us to grow and do more quality content. So let's get into today's show. But first, a word from our sponsor. Making your own podcast is fun, but the production of podcasts can also be challenging if you don't have the right software. With Zencaster, the whole process is quick and straightforward. Here at the Italian Football Podcast, we aim to have the highest of standards, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and fantastic HD video quality. Furthermore, it's really easy to use. Even boomers like Carlo can manage. There's nothing to download, just one click, and we start recording each episode. Zencaster ensures that your podcasting experience is easy and enjoyable. You don't even have to leave your browser as it possesses all the tools required to get the episode done, from local recording to automatic post-productions. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code ItalianFootball, one word. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So about an hour after we recorded this podcast, the full podcast, there was the news, an absolute earthquake of Paul Pogba failing a doping test. Um, so what we did is Nimmer and I 
decided to hop back on and record 10, 15 minutes on on Pogba and the news. Um, and we've uh, we've added it to the to the start of the podcast. Originally, we started talking about Juventus, uh, the news of, of Juventus and the Agnelli family, family potentially selling Juventus. Um, so if everything is a little bit disjointed, um, that is why. But um, it's such a huge story that, that we had to talk about it. So what has actually happened is ANSA uh, announced this afternoon that, that Pogba had shown elevated levels of testosterone in his blood test. Um, he was tested after the, the opening day win away at Udinese, 3-0 win of Juventus on August the 20th. Uh, Pogba didn't actually play uh, in that game. Um, he was on the he was on the bench for the whole game, but he was one of those that was um, chosen by controllers to 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 random randomly chosen to to to, to undergo a test. Um, so that those tests have come back and they have found uh, elevated levels of testosterone in his blood test. So just so everyone's clear, Nima, can you just explain what what actually happens now with Pogba? Well, different sports usually have like a different, um, you know, the process. But usually what happens is that um, the the player can request a counter-analysis to check that there were no errors in the sample. And I think within the next seven days, a B sample will be analyzed by the same laboratory that tested the the A sample. Um, And then... If the positive test is confirmed, then that player is automatically suspended awaiting a verdict. We are yet to see anything from from Juventus, uh, an an official statement. I expect that to come as soon as possible. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if the test is confirmed positive, you know, he will be suspended. And obviously there'll be legal proceedings where he will have to explain how he got Testosterone, which is the substance we're talking about, which is an which is an anabolic steroid. I mean, mm-hmm. th- that's what it is. Um, so, so that's what that, that's what we know now, at least. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's quite the. <laughs> and if the B and if the B and, e, and if the B sample comes back positive, then he risks a ban of up to four years. Yeah, I mean if. Uh, more even. I mean, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, we've seen people get lifetime bans. Uh, I mean, I, from what I understand, he, this is his first. Uh, he's never been in, involved in no, anything no, like no, this. No, no, no. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm not, I don't want to say too much because I've not, we've not exactly had time to look everything up here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, several. Yeah, years. this is breaking news. This is breaking yeah, news that we're, we're, breaking that news. we're, we're and I don't want to say too much. I, I just want to, you know, because. Uh, I want to wait. I want to do my research and do my reading properly. Yeah, we haven't had a response from Juventus. We haven't had a response from Pogba. You know, it depends what he, you know, how he would, if the B sample comes back, how he would then fight it, assuming that he fights it and he doesn't admit uh, that he took the sample. I mean, those that dopers rarely do admit it. So how does he fight it? How does he present his case? Um, You know, does he say that, you know, it was taken unknowingly? Um, you know, can it be down to a medical issue? You know, some players, um, some people with medical issues have to take drugs and that can result in, you know, in in drugs in the in the, in the system. Um, so, we, you know, the, we're at the very early stage now to see what, 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 what could but happen. But just so we understand, the only thing we know is that it's testosterone. That That's mm. what they, and I mean, what are they? So 
Anabolic steroids are drugs that athletes take to boost their strength and add muscle. These drugs are also these drugs are also called anabolic androgenic androgenic steroids. They are made to work like a hormone that the body makes called testosterone. And testosterone has two main effects on the body, helps build muscle and causes features such as facial hair and a deeper voice. Um, and the anabolic steroids that is used by athletes, they're often used you know, often forms of testosterone made in a lab. We don't know how anything more than it's testosterone that it's that it is. We don't know how he's got it into his body. We don't know who, how, whether this. I mean, we don't know anything. So it's it's very, 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 very preliminary. Other than him having tested positive, and a sample has been tested positive for testosterone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, if if confirmed. You know, and he gets this band. I mean, it's 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 the end of his top level career. Let, let's be let's be honest about that. I mean, some would say that his it's top already level over. Career, his top level career is already over. Um, but it would um, it would definitely confirm it. It would be the the final nail in the in the coffin of what has been a, a disastrous return to to Juventus. I mean, it's it's been a total disaster from day one. The number of injuries, eight different injuries. He's missed over fifty games, well more than fifty games. He started one match since returning to Juventus, which he returned, remember, in the summer of 2022 on a free transfer from Manchester United. He's played 214 minutes of football, zero goals, just the one assist, which came in the Europa League. Um, so, you know, and you look at the number of injuries he get, he gets. He got another one in the in the last game. Um, and, I mean, he is... Let's, let's, let me be clear. I mean, this is something that actually could be good for Juventus, in, to say it in a horrible way, because they will have grounds to, to sack Pogba. You know, there are grounds that if... But if, you've got to be careful before we get to that, because... No, if, if he's test positive. No, the, the but you see, that depends. Where, what, how did he get it into his body? It's not... They, they have to find out how it, did it enter his potentially, body. Potentially, potentially there if are... There he will, got yeah. something, that, this is another thing. If it was, was it something the club doctor prescribed? Hmm then Juventus don't have grounds to sack him. Yeah. Um, then you, usually those the contracts are written that way. Um, but again, I, I want to wait. I want to be very, very... If it's without the club's knowledge, if it's not via something the club doctor, doctor prescribed or approved of, and he's had this in his body, then yes, potentially Juventus could tear up his contract um, we have the case with Adrian Mutu, if we remember a few years before that Chelsea sued him for mm-hmm. breach of contract. That could that could possibly happen. I mean, there's so many possibilities that could happen. Yeah, here. yeah it depends. Absolutely. No, you're, you're spot on. It depends how, you know, what the decision is in terms of how that got into his system mm-hmm. um, and what can be proved and not proved. But Juventus potentially, like you said, if it wasn't prescribed by by the by the Juventus doctor, um, or proven to be, you know, accidental. In which case, if it's proven to be accidental, then then he's not going to get suspended anyway. Um, then- yeah, and I mean, it depends. I mean, accidental. They're very stringent with these things. I mean, and like I said, it's it's. We will discuss this more at length, and we have more information. But right now, we had to discuss this because it's breaking news. It literally is, and and this is where we are. Um, but we will definitely. Well, discuss all I'm saying later. is, at this stage, is potentially, you know, it, if. You know, potentially, Juventus could have grounds to 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 release Pogba, and if that mm. was to happen, it could be a good thing for Juventus because 
because the, the the salary he you know he's got three years left on his salary he's on astronomical wages I think it's well, it's twenty four million net so three years so however much that is gross forty million or, or, yeah, or whatever it is it was how many yeah, years something like that yeah so and Juventus have already been in talks to try and extend his contract to to amortize the cost more um, and spread it so, out over more years yeah. yeah spread it over more years so I mean this this could end up being a good thing for Juventus but obviously. You know, it's not good for the club's image. It's terrible for Pogba's image. It puts a bit of a black mark on his career. You know, if this, if the B sample comes, you know, if this is all ends up being, you know, um, true, then, you know, it's it's it's, it's not. It's I not think good. we're at the beginning of a very long and le- legal process here. Um, but the next thing to wait for is, of course, Juventus' statement, Pogba statement. Um, and of course, then the B sample, um, uh, and of course, Pogba will be given a chance to make his defence. Um, but yeah, we're we're in for a we're in for another we're in for another legal circus featuring Juventus. Um, Fantastic! Can't wait. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> okay then. Right. Okay. Well, this is what we did. We did this after the yeah. the, the, the end of our of our podcast, which we recorded before. So um, now you're going to listen to the the start of the original podcast. <laughs> so we'll leave that with we'll leave that with you guys. Enjoy the rest of the of the show. Okay. Right. Before we talk about Italy, um, I want to start with um, a breaking story this this morning in Il Giornale. Um, a bombshell of a story, um, maybe a sensational story, time will tell, uh, in the <clears throat> Giornale, which states, reports that the Agnelli family have decided to sell Juventus, um, that the club is in crisis with the judicial and legal problems um, and with a with the balance sheet economically, which is devastated between losses and debts. And it's now been urged by the family, the Agnelli fam- family, uh, after an accounting cleanup to put the club on the market. Now, this story has immediately been denied by Exor. We put out a, a short statement saying that it's completely without foundation. It's not true at all. Um, so, you know, that is what we would expect, of course. Um, but um, but Nima, what, what, what do you make of all this? I can't remember which episode it was, um, but I did. I remember us talking about this, that maybe with Andrea Agnelli leaving and the Elkan wing taking over, they're not interested. Um, and given the amount of money that they've had to put in, Exor cash injections, time, you know, time changes. Times change, rather. Um, there is no need for the Agnelli and Exors to own Juventus anymore. Before it served a kind of social currency purpose, but now it doesn't. Um, it just costs them. And um, the, the recent events of the last year and a half has definitely frustrated that side of the family. And, and Exors shareholders are anything but happy about the cash injections they've had to do. Um, so I remember us talking, I remember vividly saying that, look, I think we might, that might actually happen. It could happen. 
Um, I still think we're a long way away from that. And by that, I mean, I still think we're a couple of years away from the Agnelli family or the from Exo selling Uber. But I wouldn't be surprised um, if it happens. In fact, I'm, I'm starting to feel that more more than not, more likely than not, we will see a Juventus without the Exo, the Elkan Agnelli family within five, six years, maybe. I, I, I think it's likelier than not, to put it like that. Doesn't mean I'm saying it's going to happen. We should, we should uh, clarify that the same journalist that, that run this story, um, I think it's Tony, Damas- Tony Damaschelli, I think his name is. Okay. Uh, and Osvaldo de Paolini. And Osvaldo de Paolini. Um, now, one of these two, I'm not sure which one it is. I think it's, I think it's the former, um, mm. reported exactly the same story in 2006 that Juventus mm. were, were for sale. So, you know, that obviously didn't happen. Um, so take, you know, take that with a pinch of salt. Uh, I read the story and I thought it was very, uh, it was very decisive of there. It's going to happen. I don't, I don't think so. I think that these discussions are being had. I think they are, but they're and they're being had in a much more serious way than at any point prior in Juventus's history, um, because Italian football is such a structural mess, uh, as well as financially, as structurally, and all of the things that we speak about quite a quite a bit. That they they the Exor, you know, Exor isn't this isn't Exor are are just a multinational company now. They're not, this isn't like it was back in the day when L'Avocato owned it, okay, or ran it. This is, it's a completely new time. It's a completely different time. And I think Andrea Agnelli, the, the shameful way that he was pushed out and or had to resign uh, and, and completely give up all of his political capital in not just Italian football, but international football as well. I think, you know, Exor, together with the cash injections in the hundreds of millions that they did, which their shareholders were not happy to do. I mean, let's remember, football is not, in Italian football at least, is not a, you don't make money off of it. Um, Mm. Most clubs don't. So for Exor, this is just a giant black hole that sucks money. And doesn't give anything back. Yeah, and that's the, the thing with with Italian football as well. The direction mm. it's going in, you know, and we spoke about this at depth on the last show um, about you know the TV deals plummeting every year, the TV ratings plummeting. Mm. I remember Agnelli and getting mocked for it. And Agnelli, for all his mistakes, for all of his mistakes that he's made, you know, and got so many things wrong in his last few years at Juventus, he was also very forward thinking. You know, he talked about the Middle East being the next. Place. The next in, frontier, Asian being the next frontier. He talked about the, the the drop in interest among the younger generation in football, uh, mm. and you know how difficult it is to make money from football. Uh, and he also, you know, if there's any club or any person that tried to modernise Italian football in many ways, for all the mis- other mistakes that were made, it was Agnelli. What well, was Agnelli? It was Agnelli driving that at Juventus. Uh, you know, well, Aurelio De Laurentiis was also talking about things like that. But the problem is that... No, but I mean, if you look at the, the things structure. that are modern, are modern that are actually mod- more modern, Juventus are the most modern club in Italian football mm. by, by quite a distance. You know, starting from the stadium, being there first with the stadium, mm. to, to all those kind of things. And Agnelli mm. was 
firefight in a lone battle on many of these things. Not everything, but, you know, because he made mistakes. Of course he did. Uh, big, huge mistakes. And we've seen the results of that. But, mm. you know, I think that the, the bottom line of all of this is that Italian football is in this situation where, you know, we complain about it every every week on the pod and we weren't big on it in the last show yeah, about, you know, about Italian football is never does, is never going to modernise. And, and, and we're so far behind the rest of the world. And for that reason, what hope is there? If Juventus, you know, if, if, if uh, Exor and the Agnelli family or the Elkan branch, you already don't care, as you said, John Elkan, is, no. he doesn't care, he doesn't have a clue about football either. He's just, uh, <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, you what, what reason? John? Isn't his name Johan? Johan. John Elkan. I thought it was Johan Elkan. No, John Elkan. Is it John? I thought it was Johan Elkan. John Elkan, yeah. I mean, that's what everyone calls him. Okay. I thought, I don't know why. John Philip Jacob Elkan. Okay, okay, cool. I don't know why I've always thought it was Johan Elkan, because he's got like this kind of German, Germanic, I mean, they do have, uh, they're not not straight up Italian as well. They also have like Germanic roots, don't they? I think Swiss or is it Austrian? His his dad is uh, Alan Elkan, who Hmm. is, I think, French Jewish, I think. No, okay. If I'm mistaken. Yeah, not mistaken. Um, Yeah, so, um, so, so, yeah. So, I mean, I think that if they're making, if they're weighing things up, what is the future of Italian football? Uh, And from a financial point of view, you know, what is the the financial value of having Juventus? Then, yeah, I can understand why this would be a consideration. Doesn't mean I'm saying they're going to sell the club in the no, year no, or no, two no, years, no. but I, I, I do see that as if you're making a, a business decision, you know, where, which direction is Italian football going in and, and football in general? I mean, I, I think it's something you consider, isn't it? I, I completely understand them. And, and, and I think this was ine- inevitable. And I think that because I don't see Italian football changing and structurally changing anytime soon. Uh, so therefore, I think that. You know the investment is going to be similar to the red bird kind of groups, if you know what I mean. Like those kinds of you know entrepreneurs that come in and 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 modernize it that way. Um, I don't, anyone hoping for Arabic saviors, uh, sorry, they're not going to do that. There's no need for them to do that. Um, they they they're too busy with their own projects um, and also they're not stupid. You know, they they see everything. Everyone sees the problems, um, and people are thinking, "Well, why? Um, why should I invest in that?" No, it's like the Newcastle. It's like PIF said. Yeah, isn't it? when they, when she they said, were I mean, Amanda Staveley said it yeah. best. We were considering Inter and AC, but we decided against it because Italian football is structurally a mess. That's just a fact. People can get triggered as all they want about that. That is not hyperbole. That is. To me, that's just an objective fact. Um, and as long as that's true, I mean, the you know, n- nothing changes. This is how it's going to be. And and the problem with this is that when you have the calcio is back thing, to me, is just that, that ad, as funny and silly as it was, this is how deluded the people running Italian football are. They really think that because they had three teams in the final of all European competitions for the first time ever, that Calcio is back. They, literally, that's what they think. And that, to me, shows a level of delusion. And they're conquering North America. Well, that's again, that's rooted in the delusion. They are deluded. 
because they don't live in reality. They don't understand how far behind they are. And when you have people that don't even understand the problem, how are you going to how, how are you going to solve it? So I think it's this is classic Italian problems in the sense that in Italy things have to go straight to hell, like pear shaped on a almost biblical scale, for things to 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 be to to be able to build up again. And I think that with the Elkan and or the Agnelli family leaving Juve, if they, I mean, you have to find a buyer first as well. And I don't, I mean, we're not, they're not going to sell Juve for cheap, mm. uh, just like Suning uh, are not going to sell Inter for cheap. You, you know, you, and, and, and with all due respect to Milan, Elliot kind of still own Milan. I mean, essentially, Redbird bought Milan with the loan from Elliot that needs to be repaid. So you've not really seen a sale there, even though legally you have. There's been a transfer of a deed and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I'm sure by the end of it, Jerry Cardinal and all these guys will deliver the money to 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 sell it, uh, to, to buy it fully on. I think it's just mm. one of those payment plan things. But that's Milan, okay? So it's not going to be easy for Juve no. or Inter. Or I, think, I think that, Nimmer, I think that, the Super League was a was a desperate final yep. move. One that no, was, was. executed, one that was executed terribly, as we, we've discussed. Yep. But yep. this was a, the Super League. It was out of good intentions, I think, from Agnelli. That it was a desperate move to make, for, from Juventus's point of view, and to a lesser extent, the other teams from Serie A that went along with it. But from you, from the way that Juventus was seen, it was a desperate move to make the, the Juventus sportingly and economically viable, because mm. right now. It isn't. Uh, we've seen the mess Juventus are in. Obviously, a lot of those were their own mistakes. But, you know, the, the, the balance sheet, as this report said, is, is a mess. It's improved a bit. But then what happened last season with Juventus now being thrown out of Europe has now kicked them in the butt again. <laughs> so it's, it's a mess. The club is in a mess. Um, so I, I think that that is the reason why, um, whether the, 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 however much truth is in this story. I think that there definitely is some smoke there. I think. Okay. I think you're right. I think you're right. 100%. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's move to the Italy national team then. Onto, well, not onto better news. <laughs> onto more bad news. Um, so, uh, the debut of Luciano Spalletti on the Italy bench, his first game after replacing Roberto Mancini, who of course resigned last month. Um, it was a crucial game in North Macedonia, uh, which Italy really had to win, and they could only manage a 1-1 draw. They took the lead just after half-time from Chiro in Marbella, uh, and then a free kick in the closing 10 minutes got uh, a share a share of the points for for Macedonia. Again, Italy failed to, to beat Macedonia after the, the, the humiliation of being knocked out of the World Cup qualifiers and the World Cup playoff last uh, last year and um, so Nima um, this was a terrible performance and, and a terrible result wasn't it it certainly was um, it was a more the, the performance is one that I find more um, worrying especially in the attacking third um, I thought Italy's weaknesses were ruthlessly exposed Um and they were a little bit unlucky, of course, defensively as well. Although you could say you could really kind of argue they were kind of lucky because they, you know, North Macedonia missed a sitter, didn't they, in the first half? And 
I'd say a draw was probably in the uh, in in the um, fair fair, fair result. Yeah. That was the fairest result. I mean, um, I felt it, Italy were toothless. Um, I don't blame. I don't blame one player or one. Like say, so, oh, this is Chiro Immobile's fault, or this is Zakani's fault, and, and none, none of them were, neither of them were very, very good. I think Barella was pretty much the only one that was in, of any decent quality, if we're perfectly honest. Barella and Di Marco for me, the only yeah. ones that made any. Yeah, they were, uh, yeah, exactly. But I mean, for me, Barella was a clear man of the match. Um, but uh, for for Italy, that is. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 hearing a lot of, oh, the pitch was this and. Um, and it was. It, it did look. Like it was a bit more a pitch. It we looked like to, a we potato farm, and I think yeah. that you know. At the, but the, you know, the, the, it's you it's know, unacceptable both, that they play on a pitch. At, at this, this is level. what I mean. I mean, it also, it looked, also also from a from a it like, health I mean, point it, of view. Yeah, you know, uh, players can get injured. You know, and 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 that worries me. It really does. No, it was it was is the one of the worst pictures of it. It looked like gang wasteland behind my dad's shop. That's <laughs> That's how bad it is. We have this plot of land behind which no one ever goes on. And, and, and honestly, that is a kept in better stories. That is kept I, in better condition. And that's being, so, so what, that, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, your dad has a cake shop, which produ- like it, it's a it's a pasticceria, and it's like it's really good. But behind it, there's gang wasteland. Like, <laughs> there's just a bit of land behind it which no one has ever ventured to since like 1991. It's just like it's, it's like. It's like Terry Terry Waits allotment. It's like, it's like it's just, and that 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 grass is honestly is better than than, than the, the. I mean, it was terrible. The pitch. I mean, no, no, no was, the pitch was terrible. And and in this day and age, I think it's really pathetic that we can't like that that UEFA and FIFA can't like go in and and somehow financially, build, you know, these countries and and you know get get it sorted because it's 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 come on, you know. Um, but again, the pitch was crap for both teams. Um, and Italy just didn't look prepared. I, that's what I think more than anything. I didn't feel that Italy were, 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 they were mentally prepared, but I don't feel they were tactically prepared. I think Spalletti needs more time. Um, and, and to be honest, it didn't, it, everything happened really quickly before he was appointed. And then all of a sudden you had to pull out a squad, you know, call name a squad and so on and so forth. But, Mm. No, it wasn't a good squad. It, it wasn't a good performance. I think Spalletti has his work cut out for him. I think the, the ex- everything we said on Friday, I'm, I'm, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I'm incredibly proud of what we did, our preview, going into it. I thought our tactical analysis of everything, well, basically was true. It's what come to pass. And also the 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 the, the, the omissions, Skamaka and Udoji, they would have, they would have definitely helped Italy in this game. Mm. Um, I think Scamacca for sure, having someone who can hold the ball up, Chiro Immobile doesn't hold the ball up and he, that's not his role. That's not who he is. Um, and I know he scored and I'm not blaming him, but, you know, again, Cristante as a regista, you know, back three, Gianluca Mancini got injured, Zaniolo. I mean, it's just, it's, mm. it, was, it, it was everything that the went attack, wrong. The attack was just abysmal. We'll come on to the attacks. We've got a, we've got a, a segment where we're just going to look at the attack and this crisis mm. that this decade long, well, longer than a decade now, mm. crisis that we've had in yeah. Italy's had in producing attackers. We'll come on to that in a bit. Um, but 
I mean, we didn't create any many chances. I think Tonali hit the post in the yeah. first half when he went through. There was a few kind of chan- chances that could have been chances but didn't come to pass for a bad final ball in the first 15, 20 minutes when DiMarco was, was very dangerous in those first 20 minutes. Um, there was a Mancini header off a corner from a DiMarco corner that went just wide. And that's about it. After Immobile's goal, I can't... I can't pick a single chance Italy had after Immobile's goal. No, no, not I'm a single one. About the attackers, but yeah, really um, but the midfield. And you said about the analysis that we did on Friday. Yeah. Um, I did point out that one of my concerns was yeah. who's going to be this Zielinski? Who's going to be the Zielinski player in the Spalletti system? Because the Spalletti system morphs from a four-three-three to a four-two-three-one in the same you know game in the same moves. Uh, and you know, I don't see Barella or Tonali as being that kind of player. They're Metzalas, basically. Um, so who was going to be the link? And we saw that there was no connection between the, the midfield and the attack, the natural, natural fluid connection between the midfield and the attack. Um, so who is that Zielinski play going to be? You know, we'll, we'll talk about who the change is going to be. There is some talk that that Pessina could come in. But so that I think that was an issue. I would love to and, see Pessina come in now. Yeah, he's an opp- he's a possibility. Uh, also, like you said there with Cristanti, there was no build-up from the six. Um, again, you know, as I said on Friday, mm. for all the golden generation Italy have had in central midfielders, right now, if we're, if we're assuming that Verratti and Jorginho's Italy careers are over... They can't or, be over. Or, so, or, they they're certainly past their, or they're certainly past their best anyway. Yes, um, yes. Then... Italy don't actually have a ready-made uh, regista right now. No, they Stan- don't. They really don't. They don't have anyone who's the natural. They they went from two fantastic ones to not having anyone, hmm. um, which is so quintessentially Italian football. Everything's so extreme, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, right now there isn't, and that's why I'm saying, Jorginho or Verratti, who do you pick? Um, I I probably go with. Verratti, Verratti has to be Verratti, yeah. yeah but I mean, he's mm. going to cut up, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's not I, it's not ideal. But you know, I think that you know, without labouring on the point, um, I, I think that there was there was some some structural issues there, mm. uh, but more, more, but there was certainly quality uh, quality issues. But I do think that Spalletti, I don't think Spalletti had a great performance, but himself either the things that yeah. he could, the changes he could make, of course. You know, he didn't have time for the squad. So that's one thing altogether. But the squad selections, we were critical of. Schemacca and Udaji should have been in. Should have been in the squads. And both could have been handy here, like you said. The, the starting Zakani, I didn't I didn't get. Um, no, me neither. I mean, I don't think he's... I, I mean, it, for me, it's clear he's not an Italy national level player. But then I would say that about a lot of vast majority of, of Italy's attacking options. Um, but certainly not Zakani. And then why he stayed on the field for so long, I think until like the 83rd minute, when he was having such a bad irrelevant game was doing nothing um so that was a mistake bringing on Zaniolo when I mean he's nowhere near match fit Zaniolo um and he gave away the free kick for the goal uh he did one of the worst I don't know if it was a shot a pass a, a, a cross I don't know what it was um in the second half when he like he, he kind of like toe poked it sort of like into Rosette it was the, the most abysmal thing I've ever seen um Zaniolo is very frustrating when he plays like he played on on Saturday because I don't think I've seen a player that makes so many unforced errors, like so many unforced errors where there's no one around him and he'll just give the ball away or he'll overrun it or he'll miscontrol it like under no pressure at all. Uh, he's very, very, he's just way too inconsistent uh, in that way for all his talent. 
Um, but most of all, we're talking about Badoji being left out, Nima. He brings on Biragi for the yeah. final 10 minutes when you're yeah. ch- when it's at 1-0 to, to try and win the game as your left-back. And Biragi just proceeds to basically hit cross after cross into the, into the, into the fullback, straight out the fullback. I Which mean, is what the hell is going on there? Does. <laughs> yeah. No, but he, this is what he had on the bench. I think I, I don't. I don't. Biragi should be shouldn't be on, on on this team. I just don't think he's good enough. And you know, as much as much as a fantastic free kick taker he is, and he is a fantastic free kick taker. But that's about it. He, his crosses are abysmal. I I remember when he came to Inter during Conte's first season. I think it was, and I was very happy for him to come because he was a player with a, with a background at Inter's youth teams and Interista, he stood in the Curva and, and, and I was like, well, you know, that's good for the club and the culture uh, of the club and the team to have someone like that so close to the, to the club and the colours. And he, I really wanted him to do well and, I, and, we, and his weaknesses were so ruthlessly exposed that season. Um, positionally, his his timing, his read of the game, his crosses are he makes he makes Andrea he makes Candreva look unbelievable when it comes to for cross accuracy. It's 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 not he's not good at that, um, and as, especially against collective defenses. Like oh, it's, just, it's just simple. This is just a simple way of analyze, an, analyzing it. Baraghi is just nowhere near international no, he's quality. Not. He's and it's just, really, it's just, really it's just not. as simple as that. You don't, yeah, need, really you, need to go, you don't need to go into any any depth with Baraghi. He's just no. not good enough. It's embarrassing. No, he's really not. And he's I mean, 31 he's, years old. old. No, mean, he is. That, that's another thing. It's, 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 it's this kind of, you know, why are we re- resuscitating the Biragi thing again? I mean, it's just, it's I mean, hopefully he's understood. We, but I want to talk about, I really, really want to talk about Donnarumma. Because yes, we have to talk about now Donnarumma. we're talking, it's, he has, dec- he has stagnated in his development. I think the worst thing he could have done was to go to PSG. Um, he doesn't fit in there and he, and, and he hasn't improved. Um, and I think that, that that he should have let that he shouldn't have let that goal in. I, I'm sorry. That, no, that's, that's a huge error. That's a huge yeah. error. If you let in a free kick on the side that you're protecting, then then it's a goalkeeping error. If if, if the if the free kick taker curls it over the wall and puts it puts it on the, the wall side, then assuming it's you know it's in the corner or or the, or the top corner, sometimes you just have to clap your hands, take your hat off, and say well done. But if you get beaten at the side that, that the goalkeeper is protecting, I don't care if it's 150 miles an hour in the top corner, it's a goalkeeping mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's a huge error. It's a massive error. And, and, and it was, I mean, it's his fault that we, and we can, okay, Zaniolo was stupid to give away the free kick, but ultimately it's a, it's a save Donnarumma has to but it's make. It's not just that. It's, it's also the fact that I just don't think he's, Stagnate. I think he stagnated in his development. I don't think mm. you could say that he's improved, but it's not been. It's not. No, been no, no. Linear. He's definitely not improved. He's definitely not improved. I mean, no, what, what I'm was... saying, even if you want to make the argument that he has improved, he has, but it's not been by much. And that's the thing. Mm. The, the, the 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 trajectory he was on, he's deviated from that. Before severely. we recorded this podcast, I actually I went to um, our, our friend Robin Berner, who's a who's who's one of the top kind of French football journalists and experts, and I asked him about Donnarumma. I said, you know. Well, what's 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 he what's he been like in his in his, in his two years at PSG? You know, uh, is he you know would you say he's done well? Has he lived up to the you know the, the hype and everything? And he says no, he hasn't. He says he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't really been good either. He said he would give him a rating of five, five out of ten, 
Uh, I think the French yeah. grade a little bit lower than than say the English or the Italians do. Um, well, the English for sure. The, yeah. <laughs> the English grades in football are ridiculous. Everyone gets a ten as soon as someone has a good game. They they they're autom- I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And when they're bad, they're all given ones. It's like there's no. <laughs> yeah, well, Donnarumma was bang in the middle at five, and 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 he he yeah. I mean, from what I've seen him at PSG, I mean he he. I mean, I thought he was unlucky with with that one when when PSG got knocked out by Real Madrid, where he got yeah, but this is by, the thing, by Benzema. But you know, he he. Yeah, he hasn't improved, and and I think that certainly his kicking is is for the longer term. I think his kicking is becoming a concern because we've known he's always a concern. It's not become a concern. Well, it's becoming a concern, a concern more because we know that this is the way that modern football is going now. That well, exactly. pretty much all goalkeepers need to be good with their feet. We can see it's a clear trend, and you know if he he's going to get clumsy. With the ball, he looks so clumsy. Well, he is because he can't use his feet. His feet were about size twenty feet, so he has <laughs> yes. barely got control of his feet. He's like the BFG, you know. <laughs> he really looks. I was going to say he looks like it. He looks like he, he. He looks. It doesn't look good, and I, I'm sure you can improve that in training if you work on it and, and stuff. No. I'm not saying that you can develop a a technical ability, but I'm saying you can improve so it doesn't look like that. Well, I think he has improved a bit. I mean, do you remember when he was 16, 17? I mean, he could barely, he could barely kick the ball. (laughs) He was was like, you know, you get those Sunday league goalkeepers where the the fullback takes the goal kicks because because the the, the goalkeeper can't kick the ball. He was like that, basically. But I think 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 some of the fullbacks did take some goal kicks from Milan. Yeah, Yeah, they did. Um, The thing is, though, I I think two things. I think he has to leave PSG as soon as possible. Um, And secondly, I think that it would do him a world of good if given the form Vicario was in right now for Tottenham um, and how good he is with his feet right now against Ukraine, I'd probably play Vicario. I'd, I'd probably play Vicario. Yeah, because mm. Italy have to get a result. They just have to. And also, sometimes getting benched is good for you. And if you're not, if you can't take that the right way as a professional, well, then you're not a top player. Simple as that. All top players have been benched at one point in their career and they've taken it the right way. And if Donnarumma can't take it the right way, then he's not a top player. And it's a tough one. Him. I mean, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would drop him for this game because I feel like I just, just for the, we need we need to retain remember. some stability and some experience um, because we've already lost Bonucci, Ferrati, Jorginho. We're coming off a, a negative result. Do we want to go in there and throw in another? Another, just another for this player. game, just for this game, I would. I especially, if I would. especially if you've got. Here's the problem: you've got Cristante and Donnarumma doing your build-up. Like, seriously, you need to have someone who can, who, who's good enough. And Vicario and is decent with his feet. He is. He is, he is pretty good with his he's, feet. Yeah. He's decent with his feet. He's not. He's not, not amazing, but he's, no, he's, he's pretty not, good. No, no, but we're, t- we're not talking about amazing. I'm not saying that he's Onana in terms of the passing. I mean, Onana's unbelievable mm. when it comes to the build-up phase. It's, it's it's like playing with Pirlo in goal at sometimes, and the, the vision, the timing. The, I agree that he has to leave PSG, though, Nima. I agree. Yeah, I think PSG. I think the cl- that club PSG. is a circus. It's not good for stability. <laughs> it's not good for the stability of anyone. But to be honest with you, I feel like if Luis Enrique is still there at the start of next season, I don't think Donnarumma will be there. I think Enrique will look to move Donnarumma on because we know Enrique. He wants his goalkeeper to to be good with his feet. It's a crucial part of his game. And of course, it is. There were rumours which were all denied that he wanted him out already this summer. 
I do think that there's, there's possibly, again, I think there's probably some smoke there. I no, I, I think he needs to leave. And I think he, he would be open to leaving. And if he wants to leave, where does he go? Well, the Nat well, Who thought, can afford him in, in, yeah, in Italy? But, can anyone afford yeah, him? But I mean, I, I, I've always thought that he's got Juve written all over him. Mm. Um, to me, anyway. Unless we see this kind of mad PSG coming with Donnarumma plus ridiculous amounts of cash for Mignon. Mm. Uh, and, and how we maybe Saudi Arabia, out. maybe Saudi Arabia. Um, let's let's oh, move if he on. If goes though. to Saudi Arabia, if Donnarumma goes to Saudi Arabia, then you know, just <laughs> it's just it would depress me because that would be the end of his his career at the top level. With all due respect, Whoa. because it's one thing to you know for outfield players, but a goalkeeper standing there <laughs> in 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 Saudi not doing anything for the next couple of years. Uh, no, no. Waste, we'll see. We'll waste. see. Let, let's let's move on though to the to, from one crisis to another to the the, the, the crisis in attack, and um, because this crisis we've spoken about it before, but it was so clear in this game that that I mean, Italy just didn't have anything in attack, nothing at all, um, and that this is a crisis that has been going on for over a decade now, Oof, probably the best part of fifteen years almost. Um, you know since. Since the kind of Del Piero, uh, Totti, Inzaghi, Luca Tani generation yeah. were yeah. in their mid thirties, got into their yeah. mid, they got into their mid thirties and kind yeah. of around about Euro two thousand and eight kind of time. Yeah. Since then, um, it has been a problem. There, there's been nothing. Been there's nothing being produced at, at all. I don't, I don't um, understand it. I don't understand it. This is, I mean, Italy has for sixty seven years produced world class goalkeepers, central defenders and strikers and now goalkeepers are fine but central defenders and strikers well except for bastoni who else is there mm. in central defense I mean, yeah central defense yeah i think we've got some and if we look at but if we look up front it's well, very well look at the current look at the current crop of attackers for this match after the chiesa withdrawal we had zacani immobile politano as the starting trio I mean, that's, with all due respect, that's a Conference League standard attack. So can no, you, Europa League. Europa Europa League. League. Well, in no, Europa League at best. League. I mean, Politano I like in Napoli, but I feel that anybody that plays alongside Ossiman and Cavaretskalia is going to mm-hmm. automatically be 50% better than they are. And that's how I feel with Politano. And I like the guy. I enjoy watching him. He's got a bit of pace. He's nippy. But his level is raised massively by playing next to two phenomenal. Well, of course. You know, so, and we saw that. We saw that. I mean, he was terrible in this game. Um and then you look at the others in the squad. We've got Retegi, Raspadori, Nyonto, Zaniolo, and now Orsolini has now been called up to replace <laughs> Politano. Now, who do these players play for? None of these players play for big teams. And when I say big teams, I mean elite teams. I mean, Lazio and Napoli, you'll get some saying, oh, but Lazio and Napoli are big teams. But they're not elite teams. You know, well, Napoli Genoa, are, are Genoa. The reigning champions. But other than Napoli, it's Genoa leads in the Genoa championship. Genoa le- leads a championship team. We've got a player from the championship playing for mm. us. And I, again, I like Nyonto. I believe in his potential if he can have the right development now. Then we have a player that's Galatasaray slash Aston Villa. We have a player um, at Bologna. Well, barely. Orsolini <laughs> doesn't even start for Bologna. He's not even a starter for Bologna. He's, he's backup. He's backup right winger since Undoy and uh, the other guy, uh, the Swedish lad, uh, came in. Uh, Carlson. Carlson came, came in. He doesn't, so he doesn't even start for, for, he's not even a starter for, for Bologna right now. He's been called up, and according to the latest reports, 
may start against uh, in a must-win Ukraine game. Now, this is the level of crisis, you know. Then the other alternatives, we're looking at Grifo, who's played a lot in the last year or so, mm. who plays for Freiburg. Even Schemacher, who we all want to play and we, we, uh, who we both believe is you know, oh, got the biggest the, potential of everyone. Yeah, he plays yeah. for Atalanta. Again, these are not elite teams. And, and this says mm. it all. Because if your attackers are playing for this team, that tells you how big the problem is. And, you know, this is, like I said, this has been going on for 15 years. The crop from the last 10 to 15 years, you can go through all of them. I mean, look at look at Euro 2016. We had Eder and Pele. That's the <laughs> Pele playing as our, our front choice attack. That was all down. I mean, that was just down to the, a miracle from Antonio Conte. Yeah, Antonio Conte was. They uh, got these two. I will never. I will die on this hill. That is his greatest managerial feat to mm. get that team as far as he did, and to beat Spain the way they did. It was just unbelievable. unbelievable. But then look at look at us. The World Cup 2018 playoff mm. to qualify against Sweden. Manolo Gabbiadini was our starting <laughs> striker for that. The World Cup that we just failed to qualify last year. Um, in the playoff. Who Joao who comes Pedro. on? Who did we bring on as a substitute to try and rescue the game? Jao, Jao Pedro, Pedro from Cagliari. Of naturalized, in 30s, like <laughs> Yeah, like 30 or 31 years old coming on. I mean, this is this I mean when you just put This just, is a crisis. Just this, let, this is think, not let hyperbolic. That sink in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is not hyperbolic to call it a 15-year-old crisis. That's what it is. It is a 15-year-old crisis. Um it has been going on for long. I mean, I Okay, the 90s were ridiculous. Vialli, Mancini, Baggio, Del Piero, Inzaghi, Totti, Chiesa, Ravanelli, Signori, Montella, Zola. The, lo- the lowercase players were Di Cagno and, uh, you know, Del Vecchio. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, 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 like, Di Cagno would be a superstar in this team. <laughs> yeah. Del Vecchio would be a star. I, I mean... Casiraghi, like these kind of players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this this to put it into perspective. This is insane, um, and and it's just I don't understand what's going on because it's been so long now. It has yeah. been far too. It can't long. be put down to just a bad. It can't be put down to no, something no, no, cyclical. No. It's been fifteen. Because there's always ebbs and flows with any nation. Yes, you know, but you, it's you been little... it's been more than a decade, uh, Carlo. More yeah. than a decade. And it has been 15 years because, you know, the, the, like I said, those players I mentioned at the start, like Inzaghi and Del Piero, they, they played into their mid... They were still pretty good into their mid-30s. So they kind of still hung around, didn't they? You know, until... And like Di Natale was still really good. Yeah, like 30, Di Natale was unbelievable and he bloomed in his 30s. Like, yeah. but, but he, you know, but again, that was, that, was, that was just a... You know, he belonged to that kind of older generation, didn't he? Yeah. But... This is not good enough, and I look at the under nineteen, under twenty, and under twenty ones. It's the same problem. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no one. We're not producing anyone. Those those teams don't have any any attackers either. Um, you know, I mean, Sebastiano Esposito, Andrea Pinamonti. <sighs> Jesus, that's depressing. No, no I mean the the under twenty ones. The the reason they went out, there was. Two, I mean, I, I even predicted it before. So Italy will. will Balotelli struggle. was the last one. Yeah. I'd say. It's probably the last high okay. quality, but there were other issues. I'll tell you what, I watched, did you watch under-21s draw nil-nil against Latvia? Um, they drew nil-nil. Mm. They couldn't even break down Latvia no. um, the day before on Friday. First qualifier of the new under-21 team. Yeah. They drew nil-nil at Latvia. Exactly the same problem. Nothing can attack. Couldn't, couldn't, you know, Latvia put 10 men behind the ball. Our attack couldn't, we couldn't break them down at all. Um, it's, the, it's the same problem. Um, so this is, this is endemic, and you know what is the cause of it? 
I mean, you know, I guess part of it is a wider problem of talent production, which which we'll, we'll come on to. There's a separate segment I want to talk about, but I think changes to the game have hindered us. I think the I was going to say the number ten disappearing has definitely been a been uh, affected. Well, the classic because, number ten, you no longer yeah. can have the trequartista slash fantasista jogging around on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, it's a faster game, more athletic, and, and then that doesn't necessarily suit Italy. Yeah. And, and also, the, also the 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 death of the. Um, the penalty box striker as well. You know, mm-hmm. that has, that's another position that has died. The kind of Pippo Inzaghi, Gerd yeah. Muller, Gary Lineker kind yeah. of kind of striker. Yeah, Fox in the box. Fox They're in the box. Dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now that has disappeared and the, and the number nine now needs to be able to, you know, be more all-rounded and be able to play with yeah. But then again, there is, the thing is, it's not just an Italian problem. We do have a crisis in number nine, top number nines in yeah. world football in a way that I can't remember ever in my lifetime. I mean, aside from Harry Kane, Erling Haaland, Robert Lewandowski, Karim yeah. Benzema, Ossiman, Ossiman. Ossiman. Yeah. like what, what? What are we talking? Well, about? No, most of the most of the best number nines are all in their thirties, aren't they? Thirty mm. or over. There's very yeah. few in their twenties. I mean, yeah. how many how many top number nines in their, your twenties can you name? Yeah. You've got Ossiman. And I think that is a that is a that is the effect, a direct effect of the tiki taka. Explosion, the false to an extent, nine. yeah. I think it's an, I think it's that and the fact that we don't create specialist footballers anymore. There's no, no. we don't get specialist positions anymore. It's all God, everyone has to be for complete. This era to be over the Guardiola <laughs> era to die and let, like <laughs> literally, I will come. I'll, I will be the guy with the you know that gif of the dancing. We don't want to hear guys, that anymore. <laughs> the guys from the Ghana who 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 bury some are dancing when they bury the guy. Like that's me burying Tiki Taka. It has been the most depressing era in football ever, where where football is this like ridiculous, you know, abstract art form, and everyone's supposed to be good at everything, and, and you end up having no specialists anymore, and no one's really good at anything. It's just oh, yeah. I can't stand yeah. it. Yeah, total footballers, isn't it? Well, it's getting worse, then. We've now got we've now got vomit. inverted we've now got inverted fullbacks as well now. Oh. So we, we've vomit, got... <laughs> vomit. No, I do. No. I do think that's affected because I think that, and I've said this before. I think that one of the reasons that Italy was so successful for so long is number one we always had the best defences and defence yeah. is dead now also because of, of changes to the well, game well you're not allowed to defend anymore yeah you're not allowed to defend <laughs> the rules don't let you defend anymore the offside rule the, the everything you know so that that affects us but also because we were smarter Italians mm. the way that I mean we still have the best managers in the world because, because we are the best thinkers uh, of in the game and but on the football pitch as well we were the best we were the smartest you know the football the, the, the being able to you know get away with little things here and there. But also, you know, if you want to translate that into forwards, kind of forwards being smart. And, you know, that includes penalty box strikers and number 10. Mm. But penalty box strikers, you know, Inzaghi, Inzaghi was a genius. I, I, I insist I he's him. one of the... I People insist that, say that he was not a good footballer are idiots. No, Inzaghi, Inzaghi for me is one of the most intelligent footballers in, in football history. He was so I'd probably, smart. I'd probably have Study him in the top five. Move, pa- pattern of like his movement pattern, yeah. his timing, knowing mm. when to do what. It was... Yeah, his read of the game, his anticipation, <clears throat> his, his everything. You know, so mm. those kind of players, you know... The, the you know those kind of players have died and you know even someone like Immobile as much as we criticise him like if he was around 30 oh. years ago it would be much better yeah. than, than, I've than said, as I've said I th- you know I, I, I this pod and others when I've done deep dives on Immobile I, I think he's, he's unlucky he was born in the wrong era um, if he'd been born in, a, in, a, in an era before that he'd have much more respect football's changed the number nine that he is is not where football is right now 
So I, I do, I do, I do think there is a huge element of that. But no, yeah. there, there is a problem, and I think that Spalletti needs to do what he does when he comes in. He needs to just basically phase out people. He needs to this immobile being captain nonsense needs to stop. He needs to build around Scamacca. To be fair to Spalletti, he did come out and say that the, 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 the you know the the tradition of the most capped player automatically being the captain is needs to change. It should just be the one that's the leader. Oh, he, I missed he did that. Say and that's that. music to my ears. He did say that, to be fair. So fair play. Again, like I said on Friday, it was out of his hands. So I don't blame him for that, but it is, yeah. I think no, but this means, this this is good that he comes out and says that. That means he's going to change. That means... Well, if he's got the power to. I don't, oh, like yes. I said, it was out of his hands. It wasn't his mm. position to make. So, but yeah, you know, I think will. that I think that there's the, the histo- these changes to the game have affected, and I think obviously the lack of infrastructure, the Italian football, everything that we criticise about how badly it's mismanaged from top to bottom, you know, that affects the talent pool. You know, if the club game is run badly, then that has a ne- knock-on effect. One of the reasons why England, and we're going to talk about about the number of lack of Italians that are playing in Serie A in a minute, but you know, one of the things about England about the Premier League is that even though their numbers are are pretty similar to to Italy in terms of number of English players playing in the Premier League, they're they're, they're producing much better players, uh, much more and far more youngsters um, in in England because the infrastructure, the academies, uh, everything from top to bottom, you know, the the nutrition, the the best doctors, the the the, the stadiums, everything, you know, the training grounds, everything is allowing these players to, to, to develop and, be, and, and develop into, into better players. And obviously that, I mean, you speak to anyone. I remember reading an interview from Fabio Cannavaro because he's, he's coached outside of Italy. He said that, you know, I would never would have realised this if I hadn't have coached outside of Italy, but the infrastructure in Italy for producing and developing players and training players compared to what he's seen even in China, which is not a footballing country. He says it's just Italy's light years behind. Uh, and, you know, that I think obviously is is an issue in producing players. And obviously the attack is the attacker is a certain type of player. Why it's only attackers we're not producing while we're producing lots of midfielders, I mean, I don't have the exact answer to that. But it's. I think that it's a combination of everything you've met. Yeah. I think. I think it's a combination of all of the above. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to this this foreigner debate because this has become a debate. Sky Sport were talking about it at the weekend. Um, I, I tweeted it out yesterday. Some of their figures um, about the number of Italians that are playing in Serie A, um, which is one of the lowest in in Europe for minutes played. Um, and I'll, I'll read it out just so that everybody can see. So, but these are the number of foreigners in Serie A squads. Udinese, 30 of their 35-man squ- uh, squad, they've got a big squad, Udinese, are 30 of the 35 are, are foreign. Lecce, 22 of 30 are foreign. Milan, 21 of 28. Torino, 21 of 26. Genoa, 21 of 28. Salernitana, 21 of 27. Verona, Verona 21 of 32. Bologna, 18 of 26. Fosinone, 18 of 31. Napoli, Roma and Atalanta, all 17 um, of 26 are foreign. Inter, 16 of 25. Lazio, Fiorentina and Sassuolo, 16 of 28. Cagliari, 14 of 30. Juve, 12 of 24. Empoli, 12 of 28. Monza, 10 of 28. So only four teams have uh, less than, uh, more than 50% of their squad are, are Italian. 
And it's even worse if you look at the starting eleven. So I'll quickly go through that. Milan have one Italian that starts, Calabria. Uh, Napoli, two or three on average. Inter, three or four on average. Juventus, the same, three or four. Roma, the same, three or four. Genoa, two or two or three. One of them is naturalised, theoretically. Cagliari and Torino, three on average. Udinese, one or two, and one of them is a goalkeeper. Sassuolo, three, one of them a goalkeeper. Lecce, two. And Bologna, if, we, if we're saying that Orsolini is no longer a starter, as he hasn't been this season, then Bologna is zero. Um, so that is so. those are the stats. Um, just want to make it clear before I ask your view, Nima, this isn't about blaming foreigners, right? So before anybody gets <laughs> twisted that, that, that we're, we're all, you know, Nigel Farage. Carlo and, and Salvini. Br- yeah, Salvini or Britain Carlo first. Salvini. This is about, this is just about, <laughs> this is just about a basic logic that if you don't have many Italians playing football, Look, I, I um, think then you're going to struggle to produce. To, to um, build, yeah. Here's the thing. I think it's a little bit more difficult and, and convoluted, if you will, than that. I think the previous point you made was, well, actually in, in the Premier League, the English players are similarly to this in terms of how many they're playing. The difference is that the English players actually play and they're producing better players due to infrastructure, due to everything that you mentioned, the way that they view the game, it's more modern and the high intensity and, and all that stuff that they basically, you know, the, the homegrown rule, I think is a brilliant idea with the Premier League, which makes sure that money stays in the country, meaning that, you know, it doesn't leave the league. You know, they they basically by by having that homegrown rule, they have basically not only inflated the value of English players, but it also means that the money stays in England in the Premier League, in the English ecosystem, not just the Premier League, the Championship or whatever, because they're such a high sought after um, asset, the players, which it's it's really really smart. Um, but then it's also everything else you, we, we discussed in the previous segment. I, I do think that there is a problem with the number of foreigners um, in, in the Serie A, in this, given those numbers. It's not very, you know, not just the numbers, it's who's starting. That is more relevant to me. Not the number mm. of foreigners, but how many are starting. Milan, one. Napoli, two or three. Inter, three or four. Juve, three or four. Roma, three or four. I mean, when you go down to Bologna and Lecce and these clubs, and you're talking one or two, and Empoli, I mean, Empoli is where most Italians start. That's a huge, huge problem. Um, mm. And the gap between the Serie B, where it's mostly Italian, and the Serie A, that that's that you know that is a, that is a much more in, that's that's a much more interesting debate. And that the only conclusion I draw is the quality of the Italian players being produced are not good enough. Um, mm. If they were, they would play. And that's again tying back to our previous point that now the shit has really hit the fan. Yeah, you we have to look, we're not looking, yeah, I think people people get triggered and they look at the end result and they, 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 they just simplistically go, well, Italy are not producing enough players. That's why Milan have only got one, one Italian, you know, otherwise they would, you know, why, why should it, Milan have to, I've seen a lot of Milan fans getting really triggered over this debate, you know, well, why should Milan go out and buy a, buy an Italian just, just to help the Italy national team if they're, if they're not good enough? We want to buy, you know, so I think we've got to look at the beginning. We've got to look at the start, the, the beginning of the problem, rather than the, the end of the problem. And because this is the outcome of all these issues. Um, and, you know, I do, though, think that youngsters absolutely are not given enough of a chance in Italy. That is not, very, that's a and very that, and, that, and that ends in these numbers because of that. You know, Italy, 
this this summer won the, the Euro under-19s and they got to the final of the under-20 World Cup. They should have done better in the under-21s. They certainly had enough good players to do better than, than they did. Um, now, how many of these guys are playing in Serie A now? Have a look at the, have a look the, at the teams. Have a look That's at the under-19 winners. Have a look at the under-20 World Cup. How many of those players are playing for Serie A teams now? That's now, the biggest difference the for me between, between England and the Serie A is exactly that. Yeah. And I would like... The pathway I think what isn't Italy there. should do is a homegrown. I think the homegrown rule should be... Is, is something Italy should go on. Yeah. So it should, I, I mean, think that I, would raise the value and, and profile of Italian There's players. no issue with, with signing foreigners because they, they enhance the league and the players can learn from these the players. Yeah, but when you get an issue... When, when our under-19s and under-20s who are as good as many of these players that are brought in are not, are not getting chances, then that, that, that obviously is a problem. Uh, and the pathway just isn't there. I mean, Nyonto's talked about it, about how you know he had to move away from 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 Italy, from Inter, in order to to get a chance because he knew he wasn't going to get a chance either at Inter yeah, or, 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 or or at another uh, another yeah. club. You know, he would have gone down to the to the Serie C and he'd have had to work yeah. his way up from Serie C, where the level is just not, <laughs> not good enough. I just remember that interview he did that triggered you to the point of Well, you no see, return. that's absolute, but that is actually absolutely the, the, the issue, I the know, culture. I this is Allegri's fault but this is the, Well, yeah, this is it. This is why people like Allegri are, are a problem for Italian football, because this is their mentality. This is what the culture needs to change. You don't go down to Serie C. You know, so people like Nyonto had to move out of the country in order to, in order to, to, to work their way um, up, because to find a pathway. To, to, to All of this was to bring it down to what to, oh, this is Allegri's fault. <laughs> well, you know what you're doing now, um, but, but but you know, no. I think that I think it's a, I don't think it's it's right. I mean, look at Milan. No, look, if I'm going to if I'm going to criticize Milan, right? They their backup, their backup for um, Giroud for, for Giroud was Colombo. Both of us, both of us like we we. I mean, I think we see there's clear potential there. Of course, he's nowhere near. The finished article. There's a he's, a he's an unpolished diamond, but there is a, there is potential there. Now Milan, if they were to, to loan out Colombo, let him get, get more game time. I'm fine with that. If the replacement they bring in is then someone well, you know important. You say that, but I just see Luka Jovic scoring a hat trick in the derby this weekend because mm. he's it's just it's just right, totally going to happen, isn't it? <laughs> but no, no but, I, you I know they're bringing in a, a player that's been a complete flop for three years, uh, yeah. and they're getting rid of they're getting rid of Colombo. Yeah. You know, no, so I agree. if they if they if they're foreigners that add value to the league, absolutely. But when they're players like, I mean, when I see someone like Weston McKenney taking the spot <laughs> of of Fajoli, for example, you know, then yeah. I'm then I'm like, well, what what is going on here? So, yeah, what's the um, point? I think that clubs would rather Italian clubs would rather sign a cheap, unknown foreigner than well, there are there are financial reasons for that as well because of the you know the decreta crescita which mm. was supposed to bring money to the country and and and, and you know invest uh, attract investors and capital uh, that's part of it as well um but yeah no I, I honestly think the homegrown rule would be a step forward i think something similar so what would to the rule what would your rule exactly be well, similar how you- to how the premier league have pretty much you know in terms of that you know they they demand um that certain, if I'm not mistaken, in the Premier League, they 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 have this requirement that a certain share of your squad has to have to be homegrown players, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. What it is. I know Champions League requires that, and that's where Italian teams have have a huge. Yeah, but they just the no. But listen, listen, they they bring, just, they, their third goalkeeper always has to be. Always yeah, no, has no, to be a, no. No, basically, 
it's a maximum, um, from what I understand, uh, 17, maximum of 17 non-homegrown players. And the squad size is maximum 25. Mm. Um, I, I think that's where we are. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, that would be that would be a start. I think that would be a start to be classified as homegrown. One has to be on an English team for at least three years before the age of twenty-one. Hmm. Yeah, I mean something something has to be done because you know, I mean, La Liga eighty-three percent of the players in La Liga are Spanish. In Liga, it's around sixty percent, uh, and you've got to remember that Spain and France have far more foreigners, far more of their own players playing abroad. Italy, at least now, a few of the players are starting to go abroad more now. Some of our top players, I think that's more down to the the, the league weakening, Serie A weakening that we've seen players like Tonali, uh, you know, move abroad. But, you know, Spain and France, I mean, France especially, have so many of their players playing abroad. Um, it's more, it's as much about have it been able to give, I mean, the Bundesliga is, I mean, Germany are in crisis. Germany are in a, in a similar crisis to Italy in terms, no, of, play, Germany, in terms of player production. They, they, I mean, having been revolutionised things in the, the, in the 2000s, after Euro 2000, yeah. they have fallen off. I mean, they're, they're in as much of a crisis as us. I mean, they've just sat their manager as well, actually, uh, mm-hmm. yesterday, didn't they? Hansi mm-hmm. Flick got the sat. I mean, they are, they, and they, you should see their strikers. They're even worse than that's, they're even worse than ours. Yeah, um, they got. I mean, Niklas Fulkrug or Fulkrug or whatever you said in the World Cup was just you know snaggle toothed random guy they picked off a pub. It looked like is yeah. is bizarre. Um, and we're talking about a country that has had Rudi Völler, Klinsmann, Müller, you know, Rummenigge. Mm. And the number of Germans there. playing in the Bundesliga is, is is actually fallen a lot as well. But mm. I mean, most of the I mean, you know, Spain they have that place where the Spanish players can develop. France, Liga has you know has a has a has a much larger number of French players playing in Liga, so they can develop there. If you look at the other top nations, Brazil and Argentina, their leagues are are all of Brazilians and Argentinians. Now that gives them the chance for all these young Brazilians and Argentines, even though most of them are very young, to play in their leagues at a reasonably good quality. It's not high high quality, but it's a it's, it's you know it's a pretty good quality. And then they move to Europe, so they've got that chance to develop. You know, as teenagers or in their early twenties, then they move to Europe. Uh, and in Italy, where do they where do they play at a, at a high senior level in order to get that chance to develop? We just don't have that place for them because Serie A, there's, there's just you know over seventy percent of foreigners and hardly anyone's playing in the, starting. And and then what Serie B? The quality is so low. It's not like Serie B in the nineties. You know, that, that famous season that we always talk about, remember, in the, in the 90s. With Effenberg and Batistuta in the semi B. Yeah, but do you remember? In fact, I'm going to find it now while, while, while we're talking about so it. So Bierhoff was playing for Ascoli. Vieri yeah, I think it was a 1992-93 mm. Serie Simone Inzaghi was in Piacenza. Filippo Inzaghi was in Piacenza, I think. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Effenberg and Batistuta were in Serie B for Fiorentina. I mean... Yeah, it's insane. Right, so let me find this. Yeah, so... So this will this will show you how much the quality was back then of the Serie B. So the 1992-93 top scorers. No, it wasn't 92-93. I think it was 93-94. Yeah, because it's when mm. after Fiorentina got relegated the season. Yeah, because I remember. So look, so look these, was, yeah, so yeah. look at these top scorers list. We've got Massimo Agostini was the top scorer. Forget that him. Then we've got Oliver Bierhoff, mm. <laughs> Gabriel Battistuta. Yep. Giuseppe Galdarisi, who was a former Italy international, won the, won the Scudetto with Verona. Mas- Agostino um, was good as well. Andrea Carnivale, again, former Italy international, Italian 90, won the Scudetto with Napoli. Enrico Chiesa, mm. um, 
Then we've got Pippo Inzaghi, mm. Dario Hübner, Oof, Christian, Christian, Christian Vieri. I mean, mm. this, is, this is the Serie B top scorers list from 93-94. <laughs> I mean, so this is the... So Serie B is a very high quality. And I think that's another thing that's really good for England as well, is that the championship is of a very high level. Very high level. I would say it's top 10 in Europe. For, no, without a doubt, for quality of league. So, yeah. you know, obviously, the number of English players in in the Championship is much is is much higher than in the Premier League, and that gives them a again, that's a good breeding ground for the players. To yeah, but I'm sorry, but we're talking about like <laughs> Serie B. Do they even know how many teams are playing in it now? I mean, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Like, they, I'm sorry, but like this is this is what no, I mean. No, it's, Brescia it's got reinstated. Brescia finally yeah, got reinstated. Yeah, Brescia got reinstated despite yeah. being relegated and yeah, robbing, I mean, Fodger, it's just like, robbing my fodger of a place. Oh, here just, we go. But this is what I mean. Like you have the dysfunction. We're three di- match, four match days in. However many match days we're in now, and you have an unnamed. Like look at look at the Serie B. Uh, standings okay L- literally go and look in them <laughs> there is there's a it literally says you know it's it, up until recently it says you know team you know they, they inserted a team no like, yeah, yeah was, no, it was yeah the it was 20th team, team was missing. 20th team was t- tbd to be decided about seriously. two games into the season <laughs> seriously what are we talking what are we discussing here? I love that. I love that. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> Enough of that. I think we agree that there's a big, big problem here. I mean, the, the thing is, with the attack, coming back to the attack, though, England put seven goals past Macedonia. Seven goals. That that shows you the kind of level that we're talking about. And Italy struggled to create three chances in that game. Mm. And that, that, no. that shows shows the gap in attackers. And that, the, the ultimate result of that is, you know, Italy... Qualification, automatic qualification, is in jeopardy now. It is in jeopardy. The, the, the game against Ukraine is an absolute must-win. It's a must-win because Italy have played three games. There's eight games to play in the group. Ukraine have played four games. Ukraine are three points above. Yeah. Um, and Italy, Italy have to win. Yeah, Italy and to win. Ukraine have already played England home and away. Right. Yeah. So Ukraine. So they're not going to drop any more points. They're not. So away from the Italy games, Ukraine have to play Macedonia at home and Malta. So they're going to win those two games. So if they win those two games, that means they go nine points ahead of, of Italy. Italy then will play uh, Malta and Macedonia at home. So we would expect them to win to win their games. So that puts us back to three points behind Ukraine with the two home and away games against Ukraine. So in theory, Italy could win at home against Ukraine and, and draw, draw the last game yeah. away at Ukraine and they'll win on, on better head-to-head. Um, the, the new creator. In theory, they could do that, but the bottom line is they. It's an absolute must. No, no, they, they have to win this. Ukraine. They have to win. They have to take four from six points from Ukraine. It's as simple as that. Yeah, it's as simple as that. There's basically no room for error now for Italy, and, and that's the problem. Is can you trust this Italy team um, right now to, to to make no errors? And that's that's mm. that's the concerning thing, isn't it? Um, mm. The final point I want to make is how many I, I was gonna I was gonna scroll back and and have, maybe I'll do it if we don't get a result against. Um, against Ukraine on, on Tuesday is I was going to scroll back and have a look at Italy's results in September in the last, well, <laughs> since forever, because I, I bet you it's probably a negative record. It is. It is. <laughs> it's probably a negative record. Italy Slow in September, starters. they always fail. And there's a simple reason for that. It's because 
Italians love their Ferragosto. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and we have to start the season late because of bloody Ferragosto. Mm-hmm. We have to start the season at the end of, end of August or even in the past. We used to start it in September um, back in the day, back in the 80s. Uh, Serie A seasons used to start in the, in the 80s. And as a result, we'd always we'd, we'd play our September games completely undercooked and, and, and we'd drop points. And I don't know how many times, you know, when we haven't failed to qualify, that it's usually been down, partly down to dropping points in September. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, something maybe to think about, yeah. but obviously nothing will be done. Um, right, just before we we finish off with um, Badger and Prem face of the week, um, what changes do we want to see for the for the Ukraine game in terms of personnel? I'll tell you who the, the Italian media think that think will be the team. They they think that there's going to be five changes. Now, two of them are enforced because Politano and and Mancini have, have pulled out with injury, or Solini. Has been has been called up to the squad, so they think that um, either Zaniola or Orsolini will replace Politano on the right wing. Scalvini will. will re- <laughs> Scal- I know it's depressing, isn't it? Scalvini, <laughs> Bologna reserve as a right winger. Um, Scalvini will replace. Watch uh, him score now. I just I can just see that. Listen, cause... I'm more than happy to jinx him. I'm more than happy. To <laughs> no, jinx it was him. so funny because our good friend Patrick Kendrick he was tweeting saying, "Oh, Orsolini getting called up, and his biggest hater Nima," and he tagged me saying his biggest hater is like, <laughs> like I'm not his biggest hater. I just don't think he's good because enough. Because certain people said that he was going to be. Oh, it's better than Kiesa, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, um, certain right, people so, have too much time on their hands. Yes. If you, all I'm saying is, if you have the time to go to the cinema and watch one and the same movie nine times, maybe you need to mm. do something about your life and find better things to do mm. with it. Anyway, move on. <laughs> Films about destroying the world. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> um, so Scalvini instead of Mancini, um, Locatelli is expected to come in for Cristanti. So that obviously will give Italy more ball quality. But you know, we we've, we've done to death about us not feeling that. Locatelli is a is a six. No, but listen, if he's if he's going to play Locatelli, um, look, uh, this is the thing: uh, Fratesi, Locatelli, Barella, or Pesci. Like, wh- what is he going to do? Yeah, they feel that Tonali could be dropped for this game, and that Fratesi or Pesina will will come in. I kind of feel like Pesina would be a better a better fit for Spalletti's system of a four three three going into a four two three one. I feel like. He might so, be a better fit. I mean, I feel that Fratesi's so a better gonna, player. So who's going to be the regista then? The regista's going to be Locatelli. I mean, that's obvious. Okay, so yeah. Locatelli there, and then you put in Pessina. Barella, Barella will be right, Metzala, and then, okay. and then okay. Fratesi or, 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 or Fratesi's right, Metzala, and, and, and Barella goes left, Metzala. I think it'll be Fratesi as the left, Metzala. I'm but, tired but, of this, everyone, like, playing Barella until he's like... <laughs> oh, right. you, want, you want him to be rested for the derby yes I do <laughs> like I'm tired of, like, everyone just looks at Barella like this like yeah it's alright he, he can he's, you know suck it up Nicolò you can you know you can get on with it it's like you're going to burn him out you know it's well, like I think that's so, happened so, quite a bit in the last two years already yeah <laughs> and I don't like that it's, it's like it's just because he doesn't complain and he just mm. always gets on with it it's like well, the, the, other, the, the other the other position that, that could be could change is um, the left wing as Sakani's not guaranteed a starting spot. Oh, he shouldn't could be. be. Raspadori should Could be Raspadori and Yonto. Oh, God. Yeah, look, if you're going to play Pessina, I wouldn't play Raspadori. Would, you, play would, you, would you make any other changes? Would you, no, would you, I mean, would if, you if you're going to... Would you drop Immobile? Would you bring Retegui in? I would start Retegui in this game. I, I really would. I, I would. I would do that. So then you're starting think... your entire... That means you're changing your entire, your entire front three. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this is just not good. I mean, it's just, it's just not good. I mean... 
how are we going to have any kind of any kind of fluency in the team if we're changing our, our even changing two of the three attackers? It's just not good. I know it's necessary because they, they were terrible, but you know this is this is we're basically choosing between two bad options here. You know. Mm. Whether we're talking individually or certainly collectively, this is not good. I think so that changes. they should build around Retegi and Skamaka. I've said that in the past, and, I, and mm. honestly, I, th- I think Skamaka and Retegi is who I'd build. We need to find a way to win this game. I don't care how we do it. We need to find a way to win this game. And and, and I'm just thinking, making all these changes keep, is not look, ideal. Keeping the same team is not ideal. Like whatever we do, I'm worried. Just win. <laughs> you know? I don't care how it looks. Just win. Hmm. The love of God, I don't care. Just win. Yeah, simple okay. as that. And from now on, stop. You know, call up the best fit players, Skamaka, Udoji, like you know, all that mm. stuff. Well, he could have called up Skamaka. Mm. He still could have he had the chance to call him up after Chiesa yeah, went out, and, and he. Yeah, chose... but he needed to have a winger. I mean, he's, he's obviously going to take a winger for a winger, and Skamaka's not a winger. No, but so. yeah, but I'm talking. To, no, no, but I'm talking about after after Chiesa went out. They, yeah, no, he didn't. He didn't call up a, a, a anyone. Yeah, he, he called up um, Orsolini to replace um, Podlitana. So yes. He still had a space available. He still could have yeah. called up Skamaka even as late as as yesterday, and he did decided not to. So I mean. Yeah. We'll yeah, I'm not, I don't agree with that. Um, okay, let's finish off with Badger and Prem Face of the Week. Do we have a Badger? <laughs> we do. We do. We have a Badger. I saw one of the most beautiful goals I have ever seen in Liechtenstein. Or no, sorry, Luxembourg, I think it was. Bosnia played. Uh, Bosnia won that game, but. The goal that I think it was Luxembourg. Let me let me just double check. I can't, I can't remember. I just remember seeing that goal, and I was just completely blown away. Um, it was uh, I'm looking now. It was Bosnia. I can't remember his name. I, I've written it down, but I forgot it now. Uh, but it was one of the most like that is how you shoot a volley. It, that it's it's genuinely yeah. It was it was um, it was Liechtenstein. It was Liechtenstein. Go and look for Sandro Wolfinger's 2-1 goal in the 21st minute. It's one of the most beautiful goals I've seen in a very long time. Liechtenstein, eh? Yeah, Liechtenstein. Or, or, Li- or Lichtsteiner, as, as, one <laughs> as one of my friends calls it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Bosnia beat Liechtenstein 2-1, and Sandro Wolfinger's one, you know, cutting the deficit in half in the 21st minute. A Wow. <laughs> That is is a badge of the week. That is how you. That is how you shoot. That is how you take a volley. It was. It's. It's on a from a corner. The ball goes out high, and he just directly on the volley smacks it. It's the 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 curve of the ball is just wow. It's truly truly unbelievable. One of the one of the goals of the season, without a doubt. So definitely go check that out. Okay, check that out. Prem face of the week. Nima, you have it. This this is this is gold. This, this is one of the all-time great. Can't. It's just, I don't... He, you know, I'm not... If Sky Sport UK were, were tweeted out, one of their employees, one of their journalists, one of their top guys, Carver Solikol, who I don't really have that much time for. I don't think he's very good at much. Um, but when your own employer can't even get your name right, um, in the tweet, and they left it out for a good while, and they called him. It was Carvis Solit Sullyhole, you know that place in Birmingham, like it's a part of Birmingham, and his name is Carvis Carvis Solhekol, and it's like 
and, and they just pushed it out and, and I just couldn't stop laughing. It's, it's just so, so funny. Like they literally <laughs> couldn't even get the name of their own, one of their biggest like names, right? In, oh, it was so funny. And it was up for a good while before they, before they, they, um, they deleted it. And the best thing of all is that most people didn't even notice it. Like, that's the best thing. Cause they do, you know, most people didn't even reflect on, on the fact that that was. What did his, the, so what did they call him then? Solihull, like that Solihull. part of Birmingham. Like <laughs> the place there, like <laughs> oh my very, God. very, very, very funny. Um, it, it was, it was just, it was. I just couldn't stop laughing. It reminds it me. Fun. It reminds me of when I've seen this in the past when certain um, British or English newspapers or, or, or media, like they use Google Translate to translate like from Gazetta or from Marca or, or for, from some foreign media. They put it straight through, but they make the mistake of putting someone, a person's <laughs> name through translate as well. And then it turns their name into well, like... You, this is so good because I remember Andrea Ranocchia became Andrew Flor Frogley. Yes. Which that, is so funny. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Frogley is incredibly funny. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and like, you know, what was it? Ni- Nicolo Barella becomes Nicholas Stretcher. <laughs> and and Alessandro Bastoni become Alexander Sticks. Yes. It's just very. It's so good. It's so so yeah. good. And that happens um, a lot. That happens yeah, a it lot. does. Yeah, Nick Stretcher is is incredibly fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brilliant. On that note, uh, we will leave it. So we will be back on Tuesday for Q and A, and then Thursday, probably Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, yeah, Thursday Wednesday or the, Thursday, yeah, for the for the review of the um, Italy of game and Italy, yeah, Italy against uh, no Ukraine, sorry, uh, must win game. So we'll review that and we'll look ahead to the the weekend. Is the Milan derby, Juventus Lazio, some huge matches this this weekend. Okay, right. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao.